The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB, 1240 AM, 95.9 FM, with the spot on sports, guys, the Trez man, Mike Trezza, the coach, Mike Cadone, with you for the next 60, Islanders, Rangers, Knicks, a little bit of Mets, a little bit of Yankees, and maybe even the Nets. We'll touch them all before we do any of that. Let me say hi to Mike co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, what a pleasure to be here on April 23rd. I had to check my phone. And we're talking, like you said, almost every New York sports team in action. We're not even going to touch on football, although our next show I'm sure we'll get deep into into draft stuff. So if you're a sports person, if you're a sports guy, now's the time to be here. 516-623-1240, that is the number to put it up from the blue line with us, a one-timer. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get us, but give us a call tonight, 516-623-1240. Islanders, Mike, well underway in their series Dropped a tough one today. Here to talk with us about it is our Islanders insider. We call him Johnny Sticks. You can call him John Santa Maria, and he joins us now. Johnny. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, how are you, how are you, John? So Friday night, you were in the building for the first ever playoff game at UBS Arena. It must have been an insane experience, especially when the Islanders, late in that game, put in four goals in, I think it was a little under three minutes. And that was probably one of the best third periods I've seen in quite some time, not just in person, but overall in the game I've watched. You really saw the energy come out. You really saw the energy come out in all three of the first three games. Uh, at times, they couldn't get it one done in Carolina, but not sure what happened today. So now they got to go back to Carolina, down 3-1, need to, their season is on, is on life support now. They want to find a way to get back to UBS for one more electrifying environment. If they could stay out of the penalty box, maybe get a couple of calls their way. We know the referee has not been very good in this series from time to time. Who knows? Maybe Friday night we'll be packing the uh, the uh, stable again. Yeah, John, you kind of stole my thunder on that one. I was going to bring up with you about the officiating because especially today, I mean, it's been a storyline going back earlier in the series, but it seems today they just – they. Every time that they tried the team to get a little momentum or even early in the game, it was a bad call. It was a no call. It was a terrible penalty at a certain amount of time. Do you think that that, that was really the reason today why they kind of got skunked? I, I just think some, things didn't go right, and they kept thinking about what was gone. They didn't move forward. Yeah. So you got, you got to get through the, the tough times. That's what I said, after game two and coming home, they responded big time after the missed call on Mayfield in game number two in overtime. They came home, responded in game three. I'm not sure what happened today. And one excuse, guys, we cannot have. I don't want to hear the one o'clock excuse. That means nothing. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time of the day you play. We've heard that numerous times with some of the other teams in the area, but no, that's not an excuse. 
No, no question about that. But I want to take you back to that game, too, John. Obviously, the... Islanders proved they could play with Carolina in that game. You were up three to two. It was great to see Barzal, uh, put one in after being out for a while. And, um, you know, late in the game, I mean, did you see it? Did you feel it slipping away? When did you get the sense the Islanders were in trouble in that game too in Carolina? Well, I think probably they got the missed call on Mayfield got to them. And they didn't move past it. And one thing that I say, I, I say all the time when things like that happen, you've got to move past it and play the next shift. Yeah, but I mean, Mayfield period. looked like he stopped on that play, stopped yeah. to complain to the official. We see that in the NBA quite often, but you don't usually see it in hockey. I mean, guys play the play, and then when the whistle finally blows, then they go complain to the ref. But Mayfield, you're right, John, he got completely caught up in that moment and in that conversation with the official. Yeah, one thing I'd like to see going forward, I don't know if it will happen or not. I, similar, you have the challenges now with the goals. You wonder if maybe they'll put something in where – you could challenge maybe a miss call, a miss call, something like that. Just like the foul, you know, you could challenge the foul calls in the NBA. You're wondering if something like that might be needed for the NHL. Maybe not to a an extremist thing, but maybe something where it's like, okay, looks like something was missed here, but you got to wait till a whistle. So, John, you know, I come at a lot of these things from the coaching angle. So, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge uh, proponent, obviously, of changing coaches in the off season. Um, so you have Lane Lambert. It's his first first go around as a head coach at NHL. I mean, of course, the guy's been around, uh, but now he's the head man instead of Barry Trotz. I'm almost getting the sense that maybe uh, the team is responding in a way to kind of his inexperience, where um, he's kind of riling them up instead of you know, hey, let's go forward, let's be that kind of not that Barry Trotz was a was the calmest guy behind the bench, but lots and lots of experience. So I'm almost getting the sense now that that the team is responding like we said, kind of in that negative way to where, hey, let's just play the game instead of trying to, you know, pick these things that, that are taking us out of our game. And any thoughts on, on, on the new coach, uh, you know, this well, year as I opposed from, to the, the previous times? Well, I think from your, well, every situation different. We don't know how Barry Trotz would have handled this, obviously. But one thing you do know is when you're putting, and this is the case with any team in the league, we're just the unfortunate ones of the group. Number 10 changed coaches over the last year. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other teams who changed coaches brought more experienced guys because they just went from one team to the other. We opt the Islanders opted to go with the first time. So you go, the hope is now you digest whenever the season ends. And the same thing too when Barry Trotz finished year one here. They, they sat down, digested it. They realized at that time it was the fact they did nothing at the trade deadline. They made moves the next couple of years. And look where it got the Islanders, the two conference finals. Now, essentially, in some ways, you're starting over again. You had to do a, you had to miss the playoffs last year. You get to a, a round, maybe you, based on how it goes, whether it's five, six, seven games, maybe a little bit further. There's always going to be something you want to do. And then remember, Barzell is still not at 100%. You could see it when he skates. He got the goal the other night, but he's slowly getting back there. You need a full training camp with Bo Horvat as well, too. So there's still, Things you're going to fix regardless. I was thrilled more than anything they got to the playoffs. Um, I think it was the best thing for this group, but now, once this is all set and done, it's not just going to be, we got to make the playoffs. We got to go further. Whatever happens now. So you're going to see growth regardless. That's what you want to see. I you think at this point, John. From the team. 
Yeah, I think at this point, if you can get it back to um, UBS, it's going to be a big victory. So let's zero in on that game five for just a moment. What strategically, in your view, specifically, do the Islanders need to do better or different in that game five down in Carolina? I think when they get the power play opportunities, you just have to attack. Attack in the front end. I want to see more of Andrews. Like he's got one point in the series. I want to see Bo Horvat play a little bit more aggressive. He's got one goal in the series. I want to see them attack. I want to see them play with pride. I don't want to see. I want them to see momentum, and they want to come back home in front of these fans and play at least one more time at home this year. And and being that the, the team is kind of up against it here, the one name I wanted to just ask you about real quick was Josh Bailey. You know, he's he's been a healthy scratch. Um, hasn't hasn't seen much ice time. Do you think his his career with the team is finished? I still don't think right now it, it would hurt if you think about putting him in. Yeah. But as far as next year, I think that's a that's something we could discuss come the end of the year because there's there's going to be a lot more. We have a lot of questions about that right now, but I think once the regular season's over, we'll get some answers on yeah. that. And things could be discussed there. Just a little too early. No, no offense. Just a little too early for that one. I think we still need the answers on the salary cap, which we won't get yet. Yeah, I just I, I brought that up because I was curious to see if you thought maybe they might, you know, they might put him in the next game. See if we can kind of catch lightning in a bottle. And, and it doesn't you know. hurt to switch a couple things off. Yeah. So Romano's back for game three. I mean, if you want to put him in, and or maybe a Ross Johnson. Um, start on uh, one thing I was thinking too, whether it's next, this year or next year, the end of that fourth line I think is coming to an end too. I think the Martin yeah. Clutterbuck days are, uh, soon to be behind us. I think you gotta go another direction, um, with that kind of play. You just see the wear and tear on those guys are just catching up to them. You mentioned the power play, John. The power play has been absolutely dreadful. I mean, not only has it not been productive, but half the time you're worried about them giving up a shorty, which they've done. Um, oh, yeah. Fairly often, you know, much more often than you'd like to see. What specifically has gone wrong with the Islanders' power play that every time they get one now, you're like sitting on pins and needles worried about them giving up a shorthanded goal? That's the undisciplinary. I think that's this coaching staff being new together, a little bit of inexperience. Remember, the, the, the most amount of head coaching experience on that bench before Lane Lambert is Johnny McClain, and he only got 30 games from Lou Lamorello with the Devils before they canned him. So I think in big moments like this, you're lacking maybe some big game experience. But, again, you hope over a year span with this group, coaching them, you learn from these things, and you go, there's not so much you're going to change with the power play now. You just got to hope for the best, but a little bit more discipline with the puck right now to prevent those shorthanded goals. So I know, you know, Mike had asked you strategically what you're looking for in this next game coming out. Big surprise today. You know, intensity is one thing, but, you know, the scoreboard showed something different and, and kind of laid an egg. So um, early on, Islanders, game five. Are they flying all over the place, hitting bodies, or are they going to play a little bit more conservative, not to take bad penalties and kind of see where it goes? What do you think? I think you got to play smart hockey, and that's playing. And that's you could play aggressive, you can hit, that's okay, but play smart. Play smart. Try and play smart yeah, hockey. They, they just play can't. Hockey. Can't think dig about, a hole. Think about what what, you, what Lane Lambert's got to think about, and unfortunately, it probably can't happen. He should make a call. It won't happen, but he should make a call to Gary Trotz. 
<laughs> hey, you never know. Listen. No, not that he's the GM of the Predators now. Absolutely not. <laughs> hey, you... a, a sit down, a, a talk with Barry, maybe just to clear well, his head or whatever. Well, right? yeah. I mean, it, it's it's definitely not going to be. You know, it won't be a roundtable discussion on ESPN. But um, it, it, it's a it's a very interesting thought. One more for me, John. Uh, I know you mentioned Anders Lay lack of pre, uh, productivity to this point. Anybody out of the younger guys that you were expecting maybe a little bit more from when this series started that you feel um, need to step it up a little bit in this coming game and if the Islanders do last till a game six in that game? Well, you would think Romanoff as the games go on like bars out just a little bit more healthier. Look good in game three, look okay today. Just building that strength. And if you get if you get Romanoff healthy a little bit, it definitely helps the load he could play more minutes on defense. And I think that that was a big factor too in the first couple of games because you had those younger the Bull Duke and the other young Parker Witherspoon and those younger defensemen in who aren't as experienced. So now Romanoff who's a little bit more seasoned in the in the big with the big club. That that could possibly really, really help the decor because you're not asking the other five of six to play major minutes because Romano's still not 100%. You're not dressing seven defensemen. All right, so, John, I'm going to ask you this question. I think I know the answer, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there for the non-hockey people, so to speak. Do you change? They turned off the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any thought? To changing goalies for for the next game. Um, boy, that's a tough question. I'm surprised you even waited that long because I thought you were going to say I'm out of my mind. I thought you were going to yell at Mike and curse him out. Good thing we're no, on the radio. No, 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 no. First off, I was surprised the Devils changed goalies last night, and I was also surprised it wasn't Blackwood. I didn't realize he's not healthy mm. himself right now. But Lindy Ruff was very gutsy. I think. It would have to be one really, really bad period in order for yeah. Sorokin to get benched. He's played very well. The difference was Vanacek did not play well in that game, too, in New Jersey. So right. Lindy Ruff had every right to bench him. Lane Lambert has not had a reason to sit and bench, to exactly. think about benching Sorokin. But I think if it would take something to make mentally, but no, you're, you're in do or die situation I now. Think, yeah. I, yeah. Like you said, maybe, you know, a, a couple of quick goals, change momentum, something like that, but you got I would use a timeout before, before changing goalies. True. No, no, no. No, well. Yeah. This is a little different from what we saw happen in New Jersey. Correct. John, give me a quick 30 on taking the Long Island Railroad there to UBS. Oh, it was great. And you got greeted by, uh, we got greeted by John Ledecky on the way down the stairs. It was very nice. Really? Nice. Now they started and now, they, according to, as Newsday reported the other day, they started checking tickets on the way down. So it's kind of set up like City Field now. Hmm. Very good. Very but good. Still it's, but still, it's worth, uh, I would not drive there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that next year when I go. I'm not going to drive there again. Not with uh, <laughs> the Unless, big 5.0 for parking, man. I'm too cheap to pay that. Or you have a BMW and they let you park for free. Nice. I'd, I'd rent I'd rent a, I'd do one of those uh, rent-a-rex $20 BMWs, uh, you know, Push it there like Fred Sanford from Sanford and Son. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Johnny. We got Cayozo waiting. We got to get to him. Thanks for a few, and we will talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks, Johnny. Let's bring it back to UBS. 
All right, Mike. So, yeah, listen, I mean, I have to take the hit. You know, I was the one who told you a couple shows ago the Islanders were not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. They did everything they could to try yeah. to give that away, uh, give away that playoff spot. I mean, they finally had to win on the last day of the season against a lousy Montreal team just to get in the postseason. Right, and they, they needed help with the, from the Blackhawks exactly. to, to beat the Penguins. So, yeah, it was almost um, – that's why I, I, I just was so surprised – that, that they laid an egg the way they did today because coming off all that momentum from the other night, um, and there, there were, there, there's a lot of things, as Johnny mentioned, um, you know, complaining about calls. There's the theories of, uh, you know, the 1 p.m. start and everything, but that just cannot happen. And, um, it's nothing personal with me. I just, I mean, I'm sure you can tell I loved Barry Trotz. Right. Cause, cause I just thought the guy was, you know, he was a top level NHL coach. And I'm still, you know, scratching my head. He had won before he got yeah, here. Yeah, and and really, I mean, he overachieved with that group. Um, you know, if that if that happens with, with Lane, you know, going forward, then then I'll be very happy. But it's 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 a tough one not to think about at this time. We're gonna stay on t- hockey, and we're gonna talk oh, Mike Gadone's. There's another there's another series going on. <laughs> we're gonna talk Mike Gadone's favorite team right now, the New York Rangers. Hey, you know what, Mike? Tough loss last night. Yes. They let that one get away late. And, uh, but the good news is, took one and two on the road convincingly. Exactly. He had a talk with us about it is our Ranger insider, Chris Cayozo. Chris, what's up? Hey guys, what's going on? How you doing, Chris? Oh, better than Smilder fans, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so let's ask you. Uh, wait a minute. I, I, my nose is bleeding right there. I gotta take it. Okay, let's go back to the Rangers and Devils. All right. Um, how were you feeling about 11.30 last night, Chris? Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I mean, I gotta give that kid credit from New Jersey. Thought he played a hell of a game. Um, we had a lot of chances, just a lot of, uh, array shots, I would say, Mike. So yeah, gutsy move by Lindy Ruff to put in the, um, put in the kid Schmidt. Uh, obviously, he did a great job against the Rangers after the Rangers had outscored uh, the Devils 10-2 to in the first two games of the series. Uh, obviously, I would think, Chris, you expect to see him the rest of the way. It's giving me deja vu of Louis Domingue from last year. And I do expect him to see this. I mean, the Rangers ended up beating the Penguins last year, but you know, it's it's whoever gets hot in the playoffs, you got to stick with the the hot hand. So, Chris, you know, very little to pick on about the Rangers here in these first three games. I mean, losing losing an overtime game at home is 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 not great, but I mean they're playing really well. So, you know, again, it's not it's not for me to say because, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the other team in 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 the New York metropolitan area. But um, anything with the Rangers that coming off last night that you say, ah, we could do a little bit better or anybody that needs to step up a little bit? Or are you feeling really good about this team? I mean, if it wasn't for Chris Kreider, I think we'd be, we'd be down 3-0. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I think everyone else has to step up. From I mean, Tarasenko had a goal in game one, so I, I can't fault him there. Um, but I think Mika Zibanejad, who led the team not only in goals but power play goals, has to has to come up. Uh, Panarin, who you know has been a great asset to this team, and I can't say Patrick Kane because I think he's a he's a great overall player. But I think Panarin and Zibanejad have to 
step up if this team wants to make it far. If they want to make it past the Devils and make it out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask you about Patty Kane because obviously big time player. Um, you think he, he hasn't had enough time, you know, because it was kind of a quick turnaround with him this season or, um, you know, is it just a matter of that he's kind of reached his peak? What do you think? No, I, I mean, overall, I think he's been, he's been great. I think he needed a, a few games to warm up yeah. to the Rangers and, you know, the team, but I, overall, I think he's been doing great. And I think for the for him, he's a veteran. He's, he's won the con Smythe. He's won multiple Stanley Cups. Um, I just think for him, he's going to just have to, you know, get the shot on goal and have Kreider there. But I don't think if, honestly, I don't think he's going to have to do a lot of scoring if it was for them. I think they have other goal scorers. He's going to be yeah. have to be that veteran on that team, Mike, that is going to, you know, say, hey, I've been here before. This is what we have to do. And exactly. hey, if he gets a couple of assists, great, but I don't think he's going to be the lead goal yeah, scorer going into the next round. I think his value is really going to come as the team progresses into, you know, deeper into the playoffs. A good sign was he, he led the team last night, had four shots on goal. But um, I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, his the scoring is not really what is going to be so necessary, but his leadership is going to be invaluable as they go go forward. So, Chris, yeah. before we get to what went wrong in Game Three, let's go back to Games One and Two. What was it that allowed the Rangers to go into uh, go into Jersey and be so successful with? Uh, taking the first two games both by 5-1 counts? Well, there are three things, Mike. I think, one, it comes from just, you know, bouncing off of the Kane thing. They, they have guys who have been there before, and Jersey doesn't. Um, they have guys like, you know, Kane, Tarasenko, both won a Stanley Cup. Um, Gerard Gallant, let's put it right there. Not that Lindy Ruff hasn't been there. Of course he's been there. He's one of the greatest coaches in the NHL. Um, but, you know, I think the players, you know, I think the average age of the Devils is 24, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, that's a, that's a big red flag going into the playoffs, and um, that's number one. I think that's what led them to the first two victories. Number two, got to put on your goalie, right? Igor, even last night, laying up one goal in three periods and obviously letting up the game winner, but those two games, he let up two, goal, um, two goals in two games, which is excellent. Can't ask for much if you're the Rangers. And number three, just, I mean, I, I, this, this is, you know, the veteran leaders, it's just leadership. It's just Jacob Truba being Jacob Truba laying big hits on the Devils players, and um, I just think the leadership of the Rangers are a little stronger than the Devils at this point. Was there a time last night you said to yourself, hey, listen, we're in trouble in this game? Yeah, when, you, when, you, when you, you know, you're shooting high, shooting wide. How many times did the announcer say last night? Like they, I was, I was a little concerned when – they had multiple, multiple chances. I think they beat themselves last, last night, if anything. I don't think the Devils really – obviously, the Devils, at the end of the day, the Devils won. Um, I think the Rangers hurt themselves with just not putting enough shots on the on the goaltender. You know, it's funny, Chris. Mike and I touched on it in the opening. Knicks, Nets, Islanders, Devils, Rangers, every winter sport New York team, New Jersey team is in the playoffs. Well, not anymore for the Nets, but we'll get to that later. But out of those teams, there are a lot of people saying the team with the best chance to advance and maybe advance again is the New York Rangers. Is there a team right now that you look at and say, if the Rangers can get past blank, you fill in the blank, they can run to the final? Yeah, um, and that uh, that team had the best record and set records and 
you know, today they put a beating on the Florida Panthers, and that's the Boston Bruins, Mike. I mean, they, they look they look like unbeatable right yeah, now. Yeah, they're, they're like historically time. good, right? Yeah. Um, they got Taylor Hall from New Jersey last year at the trade deadline. They got the guy from Detroit. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but the, he, uh, such so as the Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, there it goes. Um, but they got a lot of good players, and right now they are that team, as you, you asked, that team to beat right now. And it, it you know, it'll be, it, if anything, it'll be in the Eastern Conference Finals, because I think we could handle the Hurricanes if we play them, and I, I don't know if we're going to be able to play the Islanders, because that would be a miracle right now, but <laughs> I, I don't think, I, I'm not worried about that matchup, I'm more worried about the Eastern Conference it's, Finals with anything. Listen, it's Sunday, miracles happen on, they happen every day, but especially on Sundays, so we're going to, we, we can hope. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers did it, hey Mike, the Rangers did it twice last year to the Penguins and Hurricanes, so... <laughs> Um, I want to see the Islanders more than anything, but uh, we'll see. I didn't see a lot of Jack Hughes uh, during the regular season, Chris. He's impressed me. Obviously, everybody now knows about him. Anybody else on the Devils that you didn't expect to be impressed by that uh, has opened your eyes a little bit? Um, I mean, no one, no one like has stood out to me except Hughes. I mean, this new goalie really impressed me yesterday. But, um, I mean, Dougie Hamilton is Dougie Hamilton. He's one of the leaders on that team. He's one of the older veterans on that team. But Jack Hughes really stood out to me, Mike. So no one, no one in particular. Um, yeah, I would say Jack Hughes is anybody. I think the only, the only other guy I would just jump in and say from watching the series, Jesper Bratt from New Jersey. He's, he's, True. he's kind of stepped up a little bit. Dougie Hamilton, yeah, as you mentioned, um, Chris, he's, he's just done, you know, what he does. But I thought Bratt, Last night, especially, was was really kind of a, a solid player for them, and has stepped up. So this is, this is going to be a great series. I mean, I, I again, it's going to be no no walk in the park. I think the Rangers. I think we could all agree. Maybe we've taken those first two games last night. It was there wasn't exactly the sense of urgency. Um, they should have been fired up at home, but um, I think ultimately they take it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were saying in the beginning of the series, and I, I was shocked that we 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 beat the Devils at their place twice. The, you know, I thought at least we would get a split, but very impressed with the first two games. Yesterday, like I said, I think the Rangers beat themselves and have to bounce back because to lose two at the Garden is very shocking. The Rangers usually play very good. Um, so, you know, it really tomorrow's a make-or-break game. I think if we win tomorrow, I think we can get it done in, in Jersey. I mean, I really – I was my, – my prediction, and I know I haven't talked to you guys in a while, but my prediction was Rangers in six. So I don't know if that will stand um, – Stand, but I, I think if we win tomorrow, we're taking a five. Who's the guy on the Rangers you want to see more from in this next game and beyond if it goes that far? Um, Mika Zibanejad. You know, someone who I've um, seen enough of Kreider, and I think Kreider is, you know, always stepping up when they, the Rangers need him. I think Mika Zibanejad, you lead the team in goals and you lead the team in power play goals, and the Rangers had three, four power plays in a row where they couldn't get anything moving. So someone who's going to have to step up tomorrow is Zibanejad. All right, fantastic job, Chris. Good luck to the Rangers in that game five, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, actually, All right, have a good yeah, game four, they're <laughs> only up to, my bad. Well, you're looking ahead, yeah. but but based on everything, it probably will be, you know, game five for the clinch, unfortunately. Thanks, guys. Talk to you Chris, soon, Chris. thanks a lot. Hopefully, you know, we're talking to you definitely later on in the next round and, and going further.
All right, folks, we want your phone calls tonight, 516-623-1240. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with much more right after this on Sports Talk New York. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 12:40 a.m. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240-516-623-1240. The phone number to get in touch with us, the Trez man, Mike Trezor, the coach, Mike Cadone, with you until 9 o'clock, the spot on sports. Guys, let's go to the phones and welcome in a caller. Hey, who's this? Hey, Mike. Hey, it's Ray. How are you? Hey, Ray, Mike what's going Cadone. on, bud? Well, you know, I, I missed the opening segment, so um, I, I didn't catch what you guys said about the Islanders, but just... Uh, a little disappointing today. Happy about the Knicks. Just uh, tough to swallow about the Islanders. We seem to always be in this position, and uh, I don't know. It's just frustrating being an Islanders fan right now. You know, yeah. Ray. I got I got to ask you a question real quick because I follow you on social social media. Um, yeah. So I you had you you posted something about the 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 tickets on four ninety five. In the in the in the construction yeah. zones, which, which I thought was was great, and, and you said, "Are we going to get anything back when we're stuck in traffic?" I thought that that was that was brilliant. That that's a great move. So if if we if we can get that, then we can get some hope for the Islanders as well. But I, I thought that was that was really. So those of you who don't know, you know, Ray Ray's a very very prominent social media force in our area, but he did, he and in the political realm, but also the sports realm. But what that I thought that that was just brilliant. But yes. You were correct. Disappointing. We had we. Um, there's not much you can say, Ray. I think about you know other than when you are at home, you know, as a New York Islander fan, you know, team team yeah. rallied last game, unbelievable. Yeah, you got to be com- completely completely disappointed in today. I wanted to ask you, Ray, yeah. what you thought about the uh, what you have thought about the Knicks series so far. I mean, I've enjoyed the, the Knicks games. You know, they seem to have some a real heart. But I was getting back to the other for a second, Mike. I was just I was thinking to myself that there's one true thing about sports, and it almost doesn't matter what the sport is. If you start piling up a lot of runs or lots of goals in hockey, it's like you know the next game you're going to lose. Because yesterday the Islanders were pouring it in. Not yesterday on Friday night's game. At the end of the game, and you know we were scoring at will on Friday night, and I'm like. Please just win the game and don't score anymore because I'm just afraid of what's going to happen the next game. It's exactly what happened. It's like you can't buy a, a goal the next game or run the next game if you score a whole bunch. But uh, yeah, the Knicks have been great, Mike. I mean, you know that's the one thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them how far they can get in the playoffs. But 
you know, Islanders 3-1, miracles happen, but, um, you know. Nah, they're not happening for the Islanders this year. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, not Johnny's, not Mike's, and not yours, but Islanders are not going anywhere this year, right? These, these, these spring times have become a little bit, you know, the Islanders have been, have been decent for a while now and, and, but not, not good enough where we can really get to the next level. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. And I love Lou, but you know, nobody's beyond reproach. And, you know, the first round exit, what does that mean? I, I don't know. You know, I just, I just think that it's, we've been in the, the doldrums for a little while. Not the doldrums, but just been in this kind of like this, this pattern and really excited to be in the playoffs. But, you know, first round exit, it's a real damper on things. So. Well, I will tell you, the, the folks who were down on the move to get rid of Barry, um, you know, they don't, they don't look so stupid right now. I will leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Trotz. I was uh, upset when they left, let him go, but, you know, I thought maybe Lane Lambert, they were onto something. It's just a little weird to me when they, they replace you with the, your top assistant, no matter what the sports were. You know, I remember it happened with Willie Randolph and um, – Jerry Manuel years ago, and I just I don't I don't I never like that. It, to me, it's always a bad look. You know, you you bring in your your crew, and then you get replaced by one of your guys. Yeah, it's so an, it's an odd I, dynamic. I, I didn't like the lane. Uh, it's an odd dynamic when that happens. Yeah, I don't know if that's just part of the rules going into sports. Everyone knows that that's part of the game, but to me, it's kind of you know a little disloyal to do that. But um, listen, I don't know how it works in sports. I just know that I I thought that Lane Lambert was such a passionate guy he'd be good for the team and he might yet be but um you know it's just tough being an under fan today but I, I i love you guys and i love your show and, and thanks so much for doing what you guys do hey ray thanks for thanks, calling man. we're gonna get some next action so stay tuned all right yeah. thanks so much Chris. all right we'll talk to you soon stay out of traffic <laughs> <laughs> i'll try <laughs> yeah i know it's impossible it's an impossibility be well ray thanks <laughs> All right, Mike. Knicks now up three to one after a really, really big win today. And I will tell you, the guy that everybody, to a Knicks fan, seemed to be really down on going into this series and at the beginning of this series, you know what I'm going to say, Mike, R.J. Barrett. And R.J. Barrett, let's be honest here, has really redeemed himself in this series. I give him a lot of credit because we've, I think, more more so probably than any athlete since you and I have been doing these shows, I think R.J. Barrett's been somebody we've spoken on a lot because we both we both enjoy basketball. You know, that's, that's my thing. And, and R.J. came into the league right when we were getting started with our shows. So, yeah, he's, we, we talked about, Two years ago, he needs to shoot better free throws. A year ago, he needs to, to get his three-pointers going. Um, and, yeah, he, boy, he was struggling. But you're 100% right. Today, especially, talking about Julius Randle, guy, you know, he was three for ten, wasn't playing well. The last two games, R.J. stepped up. You know, nine for 18. He, he, he didn't hit a three today, but we'll, we'll take that up. But you're talking 26 points. You know, 37 minutes. That that's that's what you want out of him, and and his energy level was off the charts. So yeah, he has absolutely redeemed himself. And you know what's funny, Mike? It's like when you get to be the guy whose case everybody is on. You can either like we're seeing right now with Aaron Hicks, like we saw last year with um, with uh, Joey Gallo with the Yankees and some other guys, you can go into a shell and be, hey, everybody's on my case, I hate being here, get me out of here. Or you can step up, show 
especially a city like New York, how tough you are and come back and step up and be resilient and improve your performance. And that's what RJ has done. I got to tell you, I've been impressed with him in the series. Absolutely. Somebody is in his ear in a good way. I don't, you know, I mean, his, his dad was a, was a, was a college player, um, you know, Canadian national team, you know, RJ's, Played for Shashevsky for one year, you know, it doesn't make him, you know, uh, immune to to criticism, of course, because he's a human being. But he's he really has done everything the right way. Signed a big contract that could have been a problem. Um, you know, remember a couple of years ago, or maybe even last year, Julius Randall, he he got off to a start where he was having lots of problems. He was making some noise, causing problems. RJ's just going about his business. So very happy for him because I, I think that he's a good guy, number one, and he's somebody, he's a homegrown Nick talent that you want, uh, you know, getting people excited about. And if we could zero in on this series for a minute, Mike, I mean, obviously, one of the big talking points going into this series was going to be the fact that the Knicks uh, went hard after Donovan, Donovan Mitchell in the offseason. They weren't able to land him. And could they neutralize Donovan Mitchell enough? And also, could they... uh could they neutralize the guys around Donovan Mitchell enough? And um, right now it seems like the Knicks, their depth has really played a part in this series. And for Cleveland, they don't really have any bench. And so those guys have played no part in the series. It's an outstanding point because you know, the, the Cavs did most of their damage Earlier in the season, they got off to a hot start. They were all, they, you know, there were people talking, oh, the, the Cavs are going to be a number one seed. And, and then they, they leveled off a little bit, you know, because as we know, it's a long season. But yeah, I think all the excitement w- with Mitchell coming in, um, it, it really gave them a boost. But you're 100% right. The, the Knicks depth has been tremendous. Um, we'll pull up a guy like Isaiah Hardenstein, right? One point, but eight rebounds, two assists, um, Obi Toppin, my man, who from I've been waiting for him to to break out. But you know, stats five points today. But hey, eight rebounds, twenty minutes. That's what I want to see. Twenty from minutes. Obi. I want to see. I want to see yeah, the rebounds, Mike. Absolutely. I don't care about the points with Obi. I want to see him rebound. You don't need I don't the highlight want, dunks either. No, it's okay. and I also don't need <laughs> you know ten or twelve three point shots right. a yeah. game. I mean, get under the basket, pull down some boards, get some work in, like Hartenstein does, like Mitch does, and those guys. We need that off the bench, and the next bench again, in this series, has delivered in very prominent ways, I think. No, that's a great point. Because, yeah, it, I mean, Julius Randle's his points were down today, but Brunson, 29, RJ, 26, Hart, 19. So what did Obi need to do? Absolutely. Go in, defend, rebound. I think that's if he's going to be successful with this organization, that's what he's going to need to do. But um, Nick's did a fantastic job defending Donovan Mitchell today. He was 5 for 18, 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, just, just kind of a non-factor. I mean, he played 41 minutes, but he just was never really any kind of uh, force in the game. Yeah, and they're, they're, the the bench is is really is is non-existent for Cleveland. So uh, this is an exciting time for Knicks fans. The other night, when uh, you know, game game three, when it was back to New York, uh, Clyde Frazier, who who is is never at a loss for words, he was actually saying that the the atmosphere in the Garden was giving him goosebumps. Now, I know he can embellish things, but he really legitimately sounded excited about what was going on there. And this is a guy who has had you know, his fair share of championship moments uh, in that building. So um, it, it, 
the excitement outside the arena too. I wish I could have, you know, been there to see that. It was a little premature, but the the enthusiasm is real. This team can can go, you know, a, a, another round. I, I, hopefully, um, and, and we're going to get to the Nets in in just a minute. We had hoped maybe we were going to see that. So I'm not I'm not piling on to that, but a little a little disappointing. But um, so you tell me how what are the Knicks built for? One more round. Yeah, uh, you know, I was going to ask you about that, Mike. I mean, obviously up three to one, it seems like they're going to seal the deal. If they don't do it, uh, the next game, it seems like they'll do it when they get back to the garden. I mean, you know, that game one, you can't overstate the importance of that. They went into Cleveland, uh, they took game one, which was big. Game two was kind of predictable that the Knicks were going to have a letdown and that um, Cleveland was going to be the much more desperate team. They knew they needed that game. Um, and so, you know, for the Knicks to hold serve and take both games at home, I think is absolutely huge. So to answer your question, I mean, listen, I think they're going to get through now to the next round, and waiting for them is going to be most likely Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, I don't they, think they haven't looked. They're down two to one to Miami. So, yeah, but I, I mean, they'll, Miami's not winning that series. Correct. They'll probably uh, more than likely they'll pull it out. But I guess what what my point is is that everybody's vulnerable a little bit now at this time. And you know, knock wood, not with the Knicks, but uh, injuries. You know, you see guys sitting out more and more, but. One one injury here or there. Not that the Knicks are going to be the Cinderella team, and you know they're not built for a championship. But it's it, it's just it's so cool now to be talking about a second round probability for for the New York Knicks. Five one six six two three twelve forty. We want your phone calls. Mike Trezor, Mike Cadone talking some Knicks right now. Mets still to come, and um, you know I I wanted to mention. Um, Josh Hart, Mike, and I want to go back to something you said a couple shows ago. I was pointing to Mitch Robinson coming back off the injured list as one of the reasons for the Nets' turnaround, as well as Thibodeau's shortened rotation. You said it also coincided with the acquisition of Josh Hart, and I'll tell you, Josh Hart said something. Forget about what he's done on the court, which has been terrific. Uh, he said something after one of those games where the Knicks had a back-to-back. I don't know if you remember this. And they asked him, you know, they lost a, to a team they yeah. shouldn't have on a back-to-back. Were you guys tired tonight? And he said, hey, you know what? There are people who get up for six, at 6 o'clock and they go work every day and they come home on the 7.30 at night train. Those people are tired. We're not tired. And I said to myself, Man, this is a guy who really sounds like he gets it. And he got all of New York behind him that day. He's played a terrific role off the bench uh, for the Knicks, done a lot of different things, and I think has been a key in this series. Absolutely, and started today. Ironically, so um, and and had a huge game, but yeah, that that's the type of athlete, exactly. Especially in a, in a town like New York, yeah. If you're going to talk about, I'm working hard every day. There's no excuses, and and then backing it up, tremendous. He also, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he had his he has his hair done now. Um, I never thought I'd be talking about someone's hairdo as, as a basketball yeah, I saw fan. That coach. Today. That but yeah, cool. but that, I mean, he's all about it right now. So um, it, it's just. I, I would be I would love to hear from anyone who would say that there was a better deadline trade acquisition than, than Josh Hart this year for any team in the NBA. No, I mean, that was big. That really was huge. Big. Uh, big respect to Leon Rose and the gang for doing that. 
Absolutely. So the Knicks rotation right now, I again, I think they have the right balance between guys up front that are just the rebounders and shot blockers, the uh, Mitchell Robinson, uh, a uh, rim defender. Uh, we talked about Hartenstein and the nice job he's done under the boards. We talked about Obi coming on and playing a role that he's trying to fit into. And um, it, it's really been good. So um, let me ask you, Mike, what do you think if they do happen to play Milwaukee next round? Uh, is that the end of the line for the New York Knicks? I, I think it is only because this Milwaukee is just too deep and too dangerous and, and everything. But I, I would be I would be shocked if if the Knicks at least don't make it somewhat interesting. Um, you know, if they go down with a whimper, four games to one, eh, it takes a little bit away. But they they just they seem to to be a little bit too seasoned for whoever they're going to play here to go down like that. Just just again, real quick. So you, Mitch Robinson. Who you were talking about? Twelve points, eleven rebounds today. Wow! I mean, yeah, I mean, wow! Yeah, twelve and eleven from Mitch. He's a beast. Yes, he is. And and you know, again, if the points aren't there and Julius is scoring or whatever else, those eleven rebounds, huge. Um, two block shots, just doing what Mitch does. Yeah, you know what, Mike? You mentioned the Nets. Here's all I want to say about them. Okay. Number one, they would never win this series nah. against the Sixers. We said that two and three shows ago. So let's put that right out there. But I will say. Uh, it would have been nice to take that one, uh, that first game in Brooklyn, that game three. Yes. That was the game where things got really, really crazy. I mean, Joe LMB, oh. I got to tell you, Mike, he is a tough, tough guy to root for. I mean, here's this big, huge guy. Yeah. Every time he goes up to Falls block down. a shot, he's on the ground. Yep. Every time he goes up to take a shot, he's on the ground. I mean, the guy spent more time on the ground than like a migrant farm worker. <laughs> I, it, it was ridiculous. Then he, he kicks uh, Claxton in, in the cojones. He, get, he doesn't get ejected. And then Harden later on for sort of giving the guy a little shot with the hand in the yep. cojones, he gets ejected. The whole thing was just, it was really I, I would. I give Claxton a lot of credit because if it was me, okay, first of all, any any kick in that general vicinity, I'm going to go down and sell it anyway. He it wasn't subtle. No, no, I mean, it, it was, was not blatant. No, and he just kind of looked down and laughed at him, and I thought, wow, you know, there's no way that that Embiid's not going to be kicked out of this game. He not only is he not kicked out of the game, then he he goes goes forward like you were saying. So if he gets, let's say, he gets kicked out of that game, they win it two one. All right, you. Know, then, then it's a whole different thing. So it just seemed to be luck was not on their side, and this is just a such a super different team than I mean, no team I think in in New York sports history is any different from beginning to end than this Brooklyn Nets team. And let me put this one under the category of not being afraid to take a couple shots at a guy that I really like. You know, I've been the president of the Nick Claxton fan club oh, yes. for two years now, Mike. Claxton acted like an absolute buffoon at the end of that game. Yeah. There is no reason to go and get your second technical, taunting Embiid now for the second time. You stepped over him. That made you. That made the guy want to kick you in the cojones. <laughs> and now yeah. you you dunk on him, and you have to like do the the pumped up thing and the mug and the whole. I mean, it was ridiculous. And he showed. I, I thought a lot of immaturity, and he cost the he cost the Nets were not going to win that series, folks. But Nick Claxton cost the Nets that game with that nonsense. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see. I didn't hear, but I'm gonna. I want to look back and see what Jacques Vaughn had to say about that because this coaching change is made. And again, I come at 
most of the things we talk about from the coaching angle. And, you know, everybody on the team is very excited because Chuck Vaughn is a player's coach and he played in the league and, you know, he's different than Steve Nash. He, he, he paid his dues and everything. Um, you know, would he come down hard on Claxton? What, what's, it's going to be very different next year, but yeah, that was, that was completely unnecessary. Too much of today's athlete. You lost, you know, just, just give it a rest. Yeah. So we're going to switch gears, folks. We're going to talk some New York Mets. The only team that was not in action this afternoon but <laughs> is is in action this evening. We'll get a live update from our Mets insider, the man we call Cap, Chris Caputo. How we doing, guys? We get uh, sports all throughout the day. Islanders at one. Uh, just in case you're not watching, the best series in the NBA right now is the Kings and the Warriors. So jump on that bandwagon That's, too. And now you got the they're, Mets. They're tied at two, correct? The the Kings and, and the uh, and yeah, the, they, the King the Kings missed the three at the buzzer, but this kid, the Aaron Fox, at 38 tonight, phenomenal. And uh, it's just the battle of the Bay out there. It's unbelievable how people are getting into that, paying five hundred dollars a ticket. That series is going seven. Well, and 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 again, I know we're getting to the Mets, but. You, you have a rooting interest in that series because, and, and I think this is a very interesting tidbit. You tell, tell us why on, on a Sunday night when we're about to talk about the Mets that, that the Sacramento Kings are near and dear to your heart. Well, I mean, watching Kevin Herter, uh, grow up as a kid and being able to kind of coach him on the side a little bit, both in baseball and basketball, uh, was great. So it's nice watching him and, Think about this. The Sacramento Kings hadn't been to playoffs in like 20 years, and now he's kind of lighting the light. It's really cool. Yeah. It's just he didn't get as much playing time today. He wasn't playing as well. But um, it's just really good to watch basketball out there. And That's a great series. Um, and the last thing I'll say is I give Tom Thibodeau credit for putting Julius Randle on the bench. He made the right move today. Yep. So let's talk some Mets, Cap. Uh, first of all, give us a live update of tonight's game. Uh, I mean, this is crash right now it's it's four three giants michael conforto dropped the fly ball um you know tyler mcgill could you know went through four innings uh the, the starter for the for the san francisco giants couldn't make it out of four innings the mess left left the bases loaded a couple of times um you know i mean we're, we're just in dire straits right now like the mets are really just trying to put things together with rubber bands and paper clips and um it's amazing how they're tied for first place in the East right now. But, yeah, they're trailing five, uh, four, three in the bottom of the fifth. Well, you know, you and I had talked off the air about this road trip and what would be, you know, what would be successful, what would, what would you take coming out of this, this West Coast swing. You know, if, if they're coming home, let's say, worst-case scenario, what would it be, seven and three here, correct? If they, right. Um, I, I think, number one, we would have taken that, but also, like you're saying, with everything and all the adversity and the injuries and different things they've gone through. Um, I, w I wanted to ask you about Max Scherzer. Um, Pre-game tonight, Buster Olney was talking about on ESPN, who is one of the best sources you can talk about, talk to. Um, the reason why Max is not appealing his 10-game suspension for the supposed uh, substance on his hand and glove was that the Mets figured that uh, he'll miss one start. It would be against the Nationals. They'll bring him back, and then him and Verlander hopefully will be will be there. Is that can we 
hold down the fort as Met fans until the, you know what, 10, 10 days from now, 10 games from now? Or is this, uh, you know, super critical where we have to get, you know, do we have to bring Madison Bumgarner in for a start? I mean, what do, what do you think the Mets need to do at least to, to, you know, keep floating here until we get the Aces back? The problem is it just keeps getting worse and worse. Carrasco's out. Not that he was pitching well. Um, you know, plus your, your two aces really haven't been on the field much, and um, you're putting all this money down. So I think that's the hard part. But I think, yeah, they have the Nationals coming up, but you want to win those games. You don't want to be there like, oh, well, he's only missing the Nationals, and he's only missing. Like, those are the games you got to take. Those are the games now that you can win. Uh, but I'm, I'm a big Joey Lucchese guy. I, he pitched well the other night. Um, yeah, what a job they, coming uh, back from – I mean, he was almost two seasons removed from his last start, correct? Yeah, and, um, you know, he's a West Coast guy, so he's actually pitching at home and had his family there. And, you know, that's getting a day off. They're coming back home, and you got the Nationals. But those are the games you got to win. And it's hard when you're putting guys like Jeff Brigham and Tommy Hunter and whoever else you're going to try and pull up. Uh, I guess kind of the one piece of information was Mark Fientos was pulled from the game today. Um, and I don't know if that's like, hey, Maybe after this game, Marte's not feeling well, might have to go on a DL, and he's going to come up, and they'll kind of move people around. But I think it's – and I hope I'm not changing subjects on you guys, but I'm really like – the Mets are ready to let their young guys play. And I'm watching tonight, bases loaded, one out, and Francisco Alvarez at the plate. I'm sitting there going, he's going to hit into a double play, and he did. <laughs> but, like, you've got to let him play. He's 21 years old. Yes. Let him make the mistakes now so that when September comes – what do you, it's either A, he goes down to AAA and he plays there, or B, he plays when he's up here. You can't have him come up and say, Omar Novaez is in here, you're going to be the backup to Nito. No, you've got to let him play. If you're going to bring up Brett, Brett Beatty, let him play. If you're going to bring up Mark Fientos, let him DH. Like, this is the time, and I know they're hurting for pitching, but right now, those are your prospects. Let them play. And because who knows, maybe come the end of June, Shohei Otani's on the market, and these guys have already had Major League Baseball, you know, at-bats that maybe the Angels want. And I'll give up one of them if it means that we're getting Shohei Otani. And, of course, Brett Beatty was the guy that all Met fans have been clamoring for for a couple weeks, Chris. But I want to go back uh, just for a minute to the whole Scherzer thing. You and I had a really brief exchange about this off the air. But why do you think that Buck was so silent on the whole uh, Scherzer thing that he didn't seem to throw a lot of support behind Scherzer with the whole um, ejection from Phil Cuzzy. I think the first thing is he was letting Scherzer be Scherzer. And, you know, he's animated, and he kind of let him. By, I think by going crazy, he would have taken away from what, you know, Max was out there trying to plead for himself. Now, watch tonight. David Cohn did a great piece. And he showed what happens when you go in and, and put some rosin on and then wash your hands with alcohol. The ball stuck to his fingers, guys. His fingers were discolored, and the ball was stuck to his fingers. He's like, and this is me not even using sweat. So Major League Baseball needs to come out and come up with a way of saying this is what is legal and this is what is not. He did exactly, and they were like, why didn't you use you know soap and water? And I know we're getting into semantics here. And he said soap and water wouldn't really get it off. He said, so you use alcohol, which is the next best thing. He goes, and look at his hand. You know, David's home, the ball was stuck to his hand. So I think Scherzer, yeah, he was probably stupid for putting rosin back on his hands after washing it off, but that is a legal substance, and I think Major League Baseball needs to come back on that. The second thing is, 
Um, this hearing was going to be heard by a Major League Baseball arbitrator, not an outside arbitrator. So he had no shot of losing the, the 10 games. Yeah. He was going to have to sit out 10 games no matter what. So I think that's why they kind of backed down. But That's uh, a, that's a question, great point. Like, I had no idea. that. The, so Cap, yeah, our insider that, right there. Nice job. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're going to have somebody come in and say fine, but, you know, Scherzer said he stood right next to a Major League Baseball official when he put the rosin right back on his hand. So I, I'm not sure if he really did anything wrong, so to speak, illegally, but was he stupid by putting the rosin right back on his hand? I think so. But it's just, uh, it's just a really, really wacky situation as Francisco Alvarez just hit a home run, guys, to tie the game four to four. All right. All right, Chris, thanks. we got plenty more Mets for the rest of the season. We'll have you on again and again. Thanks for popping on for a few. Great great show, guys, and Mike, and Mike, uh, always good job, everything that you're doing. Absolutely, Cap, and I heard I got a little inside information today on the East Rockaway flag football team as well. I, I, maybe maybe next time we can, we can feature them because uh, I know that that's near and dear to your heart as well. But let's go Mets and, and – by the time we're out of here in the next three and a half minutes, hopefully there's another run on the board. Yep. Who would have thought that uh, Trez would be heading to Floral Park, New Jersey this week? <laughs> oh, jeez. As Bart Scott once said, Chris, can't, can't wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk Enjoy. to you soon, talk to you buddy. Soon. All right, Kev. Have a good night, Bye. buddy. All right, Mike. I wanted to just spend, let's see how many minutes we got left. Uh, About two, right? All right, let's let's get a minute on the on the Yanks, Mike. Because okay. I, I got to tell you, um, I, and I got to give our man Declan some some love too. Yes, uh, even though he's not here tonight. Uh, Declan, you were right about Cole. Cole is having an unbelievable season, Mike. Wow. Another terrific outing yesterday. I mean, the guy's been unhittable. His ERA is like under one. I mean, where would the Yanks be right now if it weren't for Garrett Cole? He's been tremendous. Yeah, I mean, absolutely the the top pitcher in the league uh, by far, as as you said. So many injuries again. Pitching is just uh, crazy in in the New York area. But um, Garrett Cole is making. At least New York, not Mets fans, but New York forget about Jacob DeGrom because for a while, oh, Jacob DeGrom's the best pitcher on the planet. Uh, yeah, well, you actually have to pitch, but, um, I mean, my goodness, yeah, Cole, he, he looks worth every single penny and he looks like he is on a mission this and year. You mentioned Schmidt before the, uh, before the show started, right. Schmidt actually had a good outing yeah. today for the first time this year, thank goodness. And for Yankee fans who were tired of looking at Schmidt, here's what I can tell you about Schmidt. You're going to look at him some more because we have nobody else to pitch yeah. in that spot. Yeah. And that American League East, boy, Yankees, Blue Jays are excellent. Rays came out of nowhere. You know, Orioles are going to be the Orioles and, and the Red Sox, you know, no one's crying for them. But that's a tough division. So we're, we're going to be keeping an eye on that all season long. And we're also going to be keeping an eye on how do we get Aaron Hicks and Donaldson out of here, as most Yankee fans want, and I do too. You know, so that's going to do it from here at Sports Talk New York with the Spot on Sport guys, Mike Godot, Mike Trezza, and we want to thank... We want to thank Chris Caputo, Cap, for coming on with us. We want to thank Chris Cayozo and Johnny Sticks for talking some hockey with us. We want to thank our caller, Ray. Brian Graves is our producer. Another terrific job out of him. For everybody here at Sports Talk New York, including my partner, the coach, right. Mike Cadone, this is Mike Trezor thanking you for listening. Catch us on our podcast, folks. Thank you.
The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.